week number one was why do you doubt? We started that on Easter Sunday, and we talked about Thomas and why he doubted and how he wanted to see Jesus firsthand right in front of him. He wanted a firsthand experience with Jesus. How many of y'all want firsthand experiences with Jesus? That's what I want in my life. I want a firsthand experience. I don't want to come off somebody else's knowledge. I want to feel the power of the Lord. I want to feel the presence of the Lord as I walk and as I move and as I'm in my day. Because, you know, it says in the Word of God, in His presence is fullness of joy. And I think you just say there's fullness. There's fullness of joy. There's fullness of life. There's fullness of prosperity. There's just everything is better in the presence of God. It's how we were created was to walk with Him. Adam and Eve were created to walk with Him in the garden in the cool of the evening and just in, to enjoy His presence. And that we were created from the beginning of time to be in the presence of God. And when we're not, we're not at our finest. When we're not in His presence, we can't operate at our fullest. And I want everybody here to be able to operate at your finest hour in your fullest moments in life. I want everything to be fulfilled and I just want you to just have joy everywhere that you go. That's my hope for each and every one of you. That you'll just every day will just be days of joy. Days of love. Days that you say, you know, it just couldn't get any better than this. Because we serve a good God. Now there is a mean devil that messes that up every once in a while. But when you know who your God is, that's okay. Just say, hey, it's okay. That, that happened. But I know who I am in God. And I know that he gives me strength to go through the storm. And that's what we're going to talk about next week. We're going to talk about storms of life. And, and why are you afraid? So make sure you're here next week for that one. Why are you afraid? It's going to be a great week. And then week two, last week, we, we talked about, do you believe I can do this? And Jesus was asked this question to the blind man. Do you believe that I can do this? Do you believe that I can heal you? Do I believe that I can, I can change your life? I can change your perspective of how you go through life. And uh, so, do you believe he can do this? Do you? Y'all sound like y'all, but do y'all believe you can, he can do this? All right, there we go. This side might be a little louder than this side one. <laughs> but this week, we're talking about do you want to get well? You know, Jesus wants us whole, and he wants us well. And so we're going we're gonna to open up our Bibles today. Open with me to John 5. I really believe that for some of you today, God is going to speak in you in such a way that you'll be different after you experience the presence of God today. The presence of God is in this place. And I'm going to tell you, when you learn how to tap into it, it will change everything. And so today we're going to talk about tapping into his presence. We're going to talk about what happens when you're in his presence. And he asks you the question, do you want to be well? Today we're going to talk about a guy who had been sick for 38 years. 38 years. Can you imagine being sick? The Bible actually called him an invalid. He'd been an invalid for 38 years of his life. And Jesus asked him this one question, and it changed everything. He says, do you want to be well? And so that's the question I'm going to ask you today. 
Do you want to be well? And I'm not just talking about physically. I'm talking about emotionally. I'm talking about every area of your life. Do you want to be well? And, and Jesus basically is asking this guy, how bad do you want it? So let's read. After this, there was a feast of the Jews. Now, they weren't eating the Jews. There was a feast the Jews were having. <laughs> I just want to get that straight, you know, because the Bible can be funny sometimes when you read it. I don't know about you. Maybe it's just the way I think. I don't know. But I read that earlier this week. I said, what? There's a feast of the Jews. <laughs> so there was a feast of the Jews, and now Jesus went up. I, see, I made sure you're all awake. Jesus went up to Jerusalem, and now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool. Now, I don't know who the community planner was in this neighborhood. But I just don't think putting a pool next to the sheep gate makes it where I want to swim in it. I don't know about you, but I know a little bit about sheep. My grandpa used to say, the only thing dumber is a sheep, anybody that owns a sheep. <laughs> and uh, he just didn't like sheep for some reason. Now, he had goats, and those were stupid animals too. I don't know. But he was favorable to his goats over his sheep. But I, I like sheep personally over goats. And I just think they're, they're less harmful to you. And they don't hurt you as bad. But uh, so anyway, there's all these sheep. And you know what sheep do. You know, they make messes. And sheep can stink. And, and so they're, they, they put a pool right next to the sheep gate. Now, it might have been strategic so the sheep could get a drink. I don't know. But there's this pool by the sheep gate which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. Now, these were gorgeous por porches. They would have huge columns, and they would be covered, and they'd be like Colosseum coverings that went around this pool. And it, it was really a pretty place. And, and so the, these covered areas, inside these covered areas, it says, having five porches in these lay a great multitude of sick people, of blind people, of lame people, of paralyzed people, and they were waiting for the moving of the water. For you see, an angel would come down at a certain time into the pool, and he would stir the water. Then whoever stepped in first after he stirred it was made well of whatever disease that he had. He was made whole. Now, there was a certain man who was there, who had an infirmity for 38 years. Now, one translation says he was invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he had already been in that condition for a very long time. Now, it says Jesus knew this. Now, I don't know if Jesus, Jesus, somebody told Jesus, hey, this guy's been here for, for laying here for 38 years trying to get in the water. I don't know if somebody told him that, but it said Jesus knew. Maybe he just knew because he's Jesus, you know. Jesus knows things we don't know. He's smarter than we are. He knows the future. He knows the past. He knows everything. And so he, he, it says Jesus knew he had an infirmity, and he'd been lying there, and he'd been in this condition for a long, long, long time. Just think, 38 years. Some of you aren't even 38 years old. Your whole life he'd been laying there. Now, some of y'all are twice that old, and you say, well, half my life he's been laying there. That's still a long time. And he said to him, do you want to be made well? 
See, he'd been laying there waiting for his healing for 38 years. Anybody ever feel like you've been waiting on something forever? You've been waiting on your healing forever. You've been waiting to, to get rid of depression forever. You've been, you've been, you've been waiting to get, a, get, get, get your finances straight forever. You've been waiting to overcome your addiction forever. Maybe you got an addiction. Maybe, maybe, maybe you've been trying to get rid of cigarette smoking forever. Or maybe you, you've smoked pot forever. Or maybe you've smoked crayons forever. I don't know. But you got some kind of addiction that you've been trying to get rid of forever and my question to you today is the same question that God had for this man do you want to be well it's it's a hard question to answer and you say well yeah of course I want to be well that's a stupid question pastor it's like asking a broke guy if he wants a hundred dollars or like asking my boys if they want to go to the buffet. <laughs> or my wife asking me if I want to make out. It's a stupid question. I'm honest. I'm sorry. She is good looking. And she kisses good. Praise God. Move on. Am I turning red up here? No. Josh wasn't lying. I got this problem that if I, I, I do this long enough, it leaves this red spot on my head. And I, I don't know. I look part Indian or something. But I got this red spot that shows up. And it's okay. If you see me a red spot, just know I've been praying. And so he asks this question, do you want to be made well? And the sick man answers him. He says, sir. I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. While I, while I start going down there, another guy steps down before me, and he gets my healing. It's always somebody else that gets the healing. It's always somebody else that gets rid of their depression. It's always somebody else that breaks their addiction. It's never, you don't understand, Lord, it's never me. I just, I can't get down there before anybody else. And Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed or your mat and walk. And immediately the man was made well. He took up his bed and he walked. Listen, a moment in the presence of Jesus can change everything. One moment, 38 years he waited by the pool. But one moment in the presence of the King of Kings, the Almighty Savior, our Lord, changed everything. There's something about the presence of God. So today I want to talk to you about problems that persist. For 38 years he was sick. There's three significant challenges for problems that persist in our life. Number one, you can write this down if you're taking notes. The longer a problem persists, the more discouraged you become. You say, well, you just don't understand. My marriage has been horrible, Pastor. I went to a counselor once. 
went and talked to my pastor once. I did this once. And it just, it's no better. It's just bad. And, 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 and you get to this point in your life where you believe nothing is going to help. This man didn't have much hope. Somebody always gets there before me. Somebody always gets there before me. Not much help. Not much hope. And you say, well, pastor, you know, I've had this physical ailment forever, and I just, it, it's hard for me to get to church on Sunday mornings, and it, it's hard for me to do this, and it's hard for me to do that, and, and I've gone to all the doctors, and, and they don't know what's going on, and, and, and they, they, I just, I don't know. Maybe this is just what God has for me. You ever said that to yourself? Maybe this is just what God has for me. When I was uh, in my early 20s, right before Pastor Jennifer and I got married, uh, I used to run six miles every day. And I had this little track I'd run down. One night after a rain, I was, I was doing my nightly run, and I just loved to run, you know. I'd clear my thoughts and just run and run and run and run and run. And I jumped over this ditch, and I know it don't look like I run much no more. And, and believe me, I'm slower than I look. But uh, <laughs> it took some of y'all a second to catch that. But I jumped over this ditch, and I looked like Colby when I was that age. But I jumped over that ditch, and I landed in this pothole, and I felt my toe touch over here, and it just wasn't this good thing, and it swelled up bigger than a basketball, and I, I went to the doctor, and all they had was a DO on staff, and he really didn't know what he was doing. He said, this is the worst sprained ankle I've ever seen, and he looked at the x-rays, come to find out he wasn't even qualified to look at the x-rays. It was really fractured. He put me in a half cast, and for six weeks, I wore that, and I uh, just felt like I wore a half cast forever for the swelling to even go down enough to put a regular cast on. Then they put a regular cast on me for like four months and, and I almost didn't even go back to Bible school because of this, this cast. And I said, you know what, I'm going to go finish what I started and I'm going back to school and I'm just going to bear it. It hurts and I'm going to go back. And if I wouldn't have went back, I'd have never met Pastor Jen. And uh, so I went back and I met Pastor Jen and we got married. And about three months into being married, I'm just walking along, along one day and all of a sudden I felt this pop and it swelled back up. And it's because they didn't fix it right the first time. And I'm like, man, I'm tired of fighting this. And, and so the doctor tells me, well, you know, it's going to be okay. We're just going to cast it again. He said it's kind of healed up. It's healed up kind of wrong, but it's kind of right. And it's just not worth messing with. And you're just going to have to kind of live with this the rest of your life. And, um, you know, you could have surgery, but it, it probably is not going to fix it that good. You just need to decide never to play sports or basketball or any of that again. And so I'd walk on it and it hurt. And certain times of the year it just hurts. And then I developed plantar fasciitis in my feet. And, and um, so I decided one day, you know what, I'm not going to let this stop me. I'm going to go run. So they were having this thing in our church called TCPT and Triumph Church Physical Therapy or Physical Training or something like that. And so this guy was running it, and we're all going out to work out. So I said, I'm going. I go work out, and I'm running this mile around the track, and something pops. And just all of a sudden, I just I said, you know what? I'm going to finish this mile no matter what. I just kept running. Just hurt. And I, I was a little slower than I was. And Colby was there 
you could see me grimacing in pain. And, and there was just this one lady on the track. I'm like, there ain't no way she's beating me around this track. <laughs> and I just, I said, I don't care if I'm hurt. I don't care if they chop my leg off in the morning. She's not beating me. And I ran, I ran around this track. You know, I think it was pride. There wasn't gonna, somebody was going to beat me. And so I finished, and I collapsed on the end of the track. And I just, I barely crawled in my truck. And the next morning when I got up, I couldn't even put, touch it without screaming. I literally didn't have no crutches on me. I literally crawled into the doctor's office that next morning. And I, and I, I crawled in there on my hands and my feet. And, and he said, well, the, good, the bad news is, you, you know, you got severe plantar fasciitis. I said, okay. So what's the good news? Well, the good news is we normally do a surgery and we cut the tendon in half. He said, you just tore yours completely in half, so we don't have to do the surgery. He said, but the bad news is, you know, if we do the surgery two or three days, you're okay. In about six, eight weeks, you'll be okay. And, you know, so I've always had these ankle feet problems that keep me from running and keep me from doing things I enjoy. But, but the deal is you can't let stuff stop you. This guy sat next to the pool for 38 years, and there were steps that, like this that went down to the, to the pool by the sheep gate. And he, he's sitting up underneath the Colosseum, and, and he's waiting, but the angel troubles the water, and Somebody that can walk gets down there faster. Now, you would think, you know, I'm thinking that after 38 years, I would at least get in the, the formation of an egg and roll down or something. Or I'd crawl down where all I had to do is stick my hand in the water next to it. And I'd just sit there and wait. I wouldn't care if I got sunburned. After 38 years, there's just something that I would do to change the circumstances that I was in. But we tend not to do that. See, because the longer the problem persists, the more discouraged you become. Number two, the longer the problem persists, the more excuses you tend to make. Well, I don't have no one to carry me into it, is what the man said. No one to pick me up. No one to carry me down and to place me in the water, Jesus. It's somebody else's fault. That I'm not getting it. It's somebody else's fault that I haven't made it to the deal. And see, it always feels better to blame someone else. The more excuses you make, the longer your problem persists. And you you start where you get good at it. Well, you know, my ankle hurts, so I can't run, so there's so I can't work out, so that's why I'm a little heavy. Now I'm preaching myself this morning, too. I do that very often. And so th there comes a point where you can't make excuses. You just have to get out there and do it. You just start walking again. may not can run, but you can walk. What can you do? See, because it says faith without works is what? Is what? Is dead. You have to put faith to your works. Now, tomorrow night, my son will be saying, Dad, you going to walk with me? And I'm going to have to say, yes, I'm going to walk with you. And, and because the longer the problem persists, the more excuses you make. I can't walk. No one would help me. Uh, it's just too hot to lay down there on the bottom of the step and roll in. There's just all these excuses we, we come to. And, well, my marriage, it'll never get better. If I only had a better job, my wife would be happy. 
if I could have only got my degree when I was younger. If, but pastor, I went to counseling. I went two whole weeks and nothing changed. Oh, y'all caught that, did you? I went two whole weeks and nothing changed. It, It just, it doesn't get better. And then number three, the longer a problem persists, the more you compensate for that problem. Look, I know some people, we're, we're excellent for compensating about our problems. I know some highly functioning alcoholics. My grandma was one. Very highly functioning alcoholic. She drove, got around everywhere she wanted, wanted to go, and you really didn't know when she was sober or when she was drunk. She just drank all her life. And uh, my grandfather on her side was the same way. In fact, you ask him, say, hey, you want some water? He go, ha, water's for sinking ships in his German accent. That's what he would say, water's for sinking ships. It's not for drinking. And, and they were highly functioning alcoholics. They got around. They worked every single day. And, and yeah, it, it put stress on their marriage, and they ended up getting divorced. And, and it was a challenge for their kids. And my mom would wake up in the, in the bar and, at eight years old, underneath the bar stool. But they were highly functioning society. They held a job. And, and a lot of people didn't even know they were alcoholics. They covered it well. They learned how to compensate for it. Some learned to exist in a dead marriage. You say, well, we, we have no common vision. You realize that division is the same word as divorce. It means two separate visions. We have two separate That's what leads to divorce is you have your vision of what life should look like. They have their vision of what life should look like. You messed up part of their vision. And, and then before you know it, you're in a divorce in a courtroom before a judge saying, I can't stand them. I don't like them. But at one time, you were over the top in love. What happened? You got two visions. Things, things start going different directions. And and you say, well, there's no intimacy in my marriage. It's more of a business relationship. We're, we stay together for the kids or the grandkids. And you find an excuse to cohabitate. God wants more for you than this. Some learn to compensate for overspending. And you, you max out one credit card to pay off another credit card just so your interest rate can go down for a month and you can bear it. Or, or you, you do this to compensate for that, and you rob from Peter to pay Paul, and you, you take your 401K to pay off bills, and then you say, Pastor, I don't have any groceries this week. Or, Pastor, this happened, and this happened, and this happened. But everybody else around you thinks everything's okay because you compensate, and you just, you're driving the nice car, brand-new car, and you, you're doing all the fine things, and you learn how to cover it. And some have an internet content problem. I'm not going to say the other word. I'm going to be nice today and politically correct. But some have internet content problems in their life. And you learn how to cover your tracks on the internet. You learn how not to get caught. And you, you think, well, it's, it's not a big deal. That's what we say about all our problems. Well, you know, I just drink, drink a little bit and it helps me get through the pain of this situation. Or I take all these pills just, just, just to cope with the pain and to move on. Now, I'm not telling you if you're bipolar to quit taking your medicine, medication today. Please don't do that. 
Last thing I need is somebody that's half sane, half crazy running around. But the deal is God wants you to be well. And he wants to heal you. And he can heal you. There's lots of good people taking medicine that believe Jesus is their Lord and Savior. And God can do it for them. And he is doing it. He's doing it through some doctor's help. And he's making things better. Don't, don't misconstrue what I'm saying today. But I'm saying there's a point in your life where you have to put a little action with your faith. You cannot change what you're willing to tolerate. You can write that down. You cannot change what you're willing to tolerate. If you tolerate your problems, you tolerate how you are, you're never going to change. If you think, well, you know, it's okay. I get by okay. It's okay. It's, It's just a little bit. If you tolerate it, you'll never do anything about it. And that is the truth. Jesus asked this question, do you want to be well? Was he asking this guy, are you just going to tolerate laying here forevermore? Or do you want to be well? People often ask me, Pastor, what's the greatest hindrance to faith? Is it worry? Is it doubt? Is it fear? I would, I would argue that the biggest obstacle to faith is the familiar. We get way too familiar with the situation that we're in. And we just say it's okay. We get way too familiar. And people, people ask and say, well, you can't just help somebody that needs help, Pastor. Like, no, sometimes I can't. See, you can't, Jesus asked this guy this question, and and perhaps Jesus knew you just can't help someone who needs help. You you can't just help people that, that need help. I don't help everybody that comes to this church that needs help. Because, see, there's a difference between needing help and wanting help. They're, they're two different things, needing help and wanting help. Two different situations in life. You'll never get help until you want help. That's why you go to Alcoholic Anonymous, and the first thing they do is they, they'll stand up around the room and they'll say, Hi, I'm Carl, and I have a problem. I'm an alcoholic. But I've been clean for this many days. They realize they're still an alcoholic, but they've been clean for this many days. They really, the first thing they have to do is no longer tolerate their problem, no longer, no longer sit in their problem and waller in their problem and make excuses for their problem, but they got to come to a place where they want help for their problem. He could have told, Je- he was telling Jesus, you don't understand, for 38 years I've been unable to wa- walk. I've tried everything. I don't like it, but I've learned to manage it. You have no idea my family has always struggled. You know, that, that man underneath that, underneath that pillar, he, he'd, underneath that column, he'd always, he'd always struggled financially. He always depended on somebody else. You, you understand, Pastor, I struggle financially every day, and, and, and things are going. Well, Jesus, Jesus asked him the question, do you want to be well? But then he asked him another, he told him something else. He said, then pick up your mat and walk. And see, this was a hard thing for this man to do. Think about it. 
he had to roll off of that mat and start an action to get well. See, his healing didn't come the way that he'd always thought it was going to come. It wasn't by walking down into a pool. This was not his healing down in the pool. He, he thought for 38 years, this is the way it's going to happen. I'm going to jump in, and I'm going to be healed, and I'm going to be whole, and everything's going to be different. I want you to realize today, your answers are never going to come the way you think they're going to come. You're never going to be healed the way you think you're going to be healed because your thinking is not God's thinking. Your way is not God's way. His way is always better. It's over, always over the top. And yes, a lot of times it makes an obstacle. And it makes a scene for everybody to see. You know what, you know what gets me is there's lots of people underneath that mighty scene. You know what you get? Jesus, it doesn't say Jesus healed them all. It never says that. In fact, he tells the one guy he did heal, don't go tell nobody. It was the Sabbath. They, in fact, they got on to him after he healed the guy. They got on to him. The Pharisees and the Sadducees got on and said, you healed on the Sabbath. He didn't care because he's going to do it the way he didn't. He didn't care how the religious leaders thought he was going to heal. That guy was going to get healed. He didn't care how anybody thought the guy was going to heal. He didn't care how the guy thought he was going to be healed. Because when God wants to do something, he does it. Your desire must be bigger than your disability. like being in prison Here, here's here's a big problem there's lots of guys that are in prison and they come out and they go right back in and you're thinking and that's just stupid it's just crazy they've been why do they want to go back because they're familiar with prison they know what's going to happen in prison there's too many unknowns out in the real world for them and they can't handle it and so they feel more comfortable going and committing a crime and going back because they know exactly what's going to happen, when it's going to happen, what time they're going to eat lunch. They don't have to figure nothing out. It's, it's so familiar for them that they don't want to ever get out. And they, they end up becoming a repeat offender, and, and they keep staying there because they never got healed. They never got whole. Nothing was ever fixed here. It was too familiar for them. It was, it's what they knew their whole life. This guy could have made all kinds of excuses. But he listened to Jesus and he picked up his mat. You know, it takes action. You've got to put action to get results. I want you to notice three things about this guy. And this applies to your life today. I want you to think about this. This sick guy didn't deserve to be healed. He did nothing to earn it or to deserve it. The sick guy didn't even ask to be healed. The healing did not happen the way he thought it would happen. It didn't come through the water. It came through living water. 
God is living water. Just ought to speak to somebody today. You say, well, I'll never get healed. I don't deserve it. I'm not worthy. I've been asking forever ever, and nothing has happened. This is the reason why our greatest priority in life has to be to press in to the presence of God and to get to know His Son, Jesus. Because in His presence, there is liberty. In His presence, there is freedom. It's in His presence that these things happen. What was different between the rest of the 38 years and that one day was that one day he got into the presence of God, the Almighty Father, whom there are no boundaries, who there are no limitations. You say, well, it's I've been sick for the... It doesn't matter how long you've been sick. It doesn't matter how long you fought a problem. All it takes is an instant in the presence of God to make you well. But it takes action. It took, he could have, he, he was looking at his legs who hadn't worked for 38 years. And Jesus asked him to stand on those legs. They hadn't worked in 38 years. Jesus said, you want to be made well? Take up your mat and walk. He had to take it up. He had to walk on something he never walked on before. He had to move some part of his body that never moved before. He had to do something that was probably totally uncomfortable. But it took a moment of faith. It says he was healed instantly. But you know, I think that instantly happened the instant. He took the action and moved to grab that mat. He was healed instantly. See, God will do it for you. But he's waiting for you to step out. You say, well, I can't quit smoking, Pastor. Well, grab that pack and throw them in the cigarettes on the way out church today. Well, it's not that easy. I've tried that before. But have you ever tried it in the presence of God? Well, pastor, you don't understand. My marriage hasn't worked. How many times have you got in the presence of God with your wife or with your husband? Well, you don't understand. My my child has ADHD and it's bad and we can't come to church because she acts crazy. Well, how many times have you got your child into the presence of God? You sometimes you just got to walk into the, well, you don't understand, Pastor, I have financial problems. You know, you want me to tell you what the number one thing people have financial problem is, do? Like what they do? Let me tell you what they do. Every Wednesday or Saturday, whenever it is, they go buy a lottery ticket. It's going to fix all of my problems. Let me tell you, first Ryan won one. Your financial problems are not going to be solved by a lottery ticket. Your financial problems that you're in, you'd be back in even if you won the lottery. Because you've got to know how to manage. You've got to know how to, how to give. You've got to know how to love. You've got to know how to walk, walk your finances in the way God showed us to walk them. You know, there comes some point in our life where this, this good book right here, I call it the good book. I call it the only book. It's, it, it's a good book, but it's a great book. And I believe that everything it says, cover to cover, front to back, is true. And, and you have to come to a point in your life, a point in your life where, where you believe that everything in it is true. Because if you don't and you throw parts of it away, 
then what you're doing is saying, I really don't believe in any of it. Uh, the book is here for a reason. God gave it to us from start to finish. It's our outline. It's our guideline to get out of what Adam and Eve put us into and, and how to be free and how to walk in prosperity. Every, I don't believe in that prosperity gospel, them preachers. Now, there are preachers, I think, that have too many airplanes, and I'm not going to go into all that. God bless them, and they're blessed. And what we got to realize is these guys have book sales too. And, and they make a, their book is their intellectual property. It doesn't belong to the church they're at. And, and uh, a lot of them, you'd be surprised, like Joel Osteen, doesn't take a penny from his church. He doesn't get paid a salary. He doesn't take a salary. He lives off his book sales. And if I write a book that makes $38 million in one year, I'll, I'll quit taking a salary quickly. It don't even have to make $38 million. But, but, the, but the deal is we, we don't begrudge these guys because they, 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 they've read this cover to cover, and, and they know that God wants to bless them and, and wants to do things for them their life. And the deal is God wants to do that for your life too. You know how those guys got to that place? They had a bunch of guys in their church that believed what they believed, and, and they gave over and above. And before long, not only were the guys in his church blessed, but the pastor was blessed. And, and the deal is God, God gives us a whole book on how to be free. You say, well, you know, this was a good guy. He just had a problem. He lay there for 38 years. Well, let me tell you a secret. Jesus didn't heal this guy because he was a good guy. Jesus healed this guy because he was a good God. And Jesus is a good God every day of the week. And he wants to do that for you. You know what Jesus, what Jesus was saying when he said, take up your mat and walk? Jesus is saying, I don't want to hear your excuses. I want to see your faith. Don't tell me what you can't do, what you're not able to do, and what others won't do for you. But show me what you can do. And what only you can do, and that is to stand up and to walk. See, Jesus healed him, but he still had to stand up, and he still had to walk. He had to do that. His faith had to have, he had to have enough faith that he, he started getting up. And he stood up, and he did it. Now, Jesus could only do so much. He couldn't make him walk. Just like when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. When we pray for somebody to be filled with the Holy Spirit. God's not going to move your tongue for you. You have to speak out speak out the stuff that you hear. You have to you have to you want something to happen in your life, pray about it. You have to speak out what you want to happen in your life. God's not going to move your tongue for you. There's only so much that God can do for us. He paid the ultimate price for us to be healed, to be whole. But there there's some things he tells us in this great book that we have to do. And it's whether or not we will do them or not. Jesus told him, I'll touch you and I'll heal you. I'll heal you. But I want to see your faith to do what? For 38 years you ain't been able to do. That's what he said. It takes a significant step of faith. Some of you say, well, I've been fighting this for, for years, Pastor. And I, and I don't care if it's two years or 20 years or 60 years or two months. I've been fighting this, this one thing, and I'm not talking about fighting some little small thing that, that you fight it today and it's gone tomorrow. I'm talking about stuff that you perpetually fight in your life. 
that you seem, you just, you try to go up the mountain, but you just never seem to get to the top. You never seem to get the breakthrough. You never seem to get to the other side. That's what I'm talking about today. This, this isn't one just little problem. These are, these are problems that persist, that won't go away. And I don't care if it's been 100 years. Jesus can do it in an instant in his presence if you will let him do it for you. I believe today the presence of God is here. I'm going to ask David to come down and start playing. I believe his presence is here. Listen, if it had been some little small tweak that you need to do to fix this problem, you'd have done that years ago, wouldn't you? If there's some little small tweak that I could just hit this little switch and everything would be perfect about me, I'd have done that years ago. Everybody here would have done that years ago. But there's some things that only being in his presence will do for you today. I felt, as I was praying last night, I felt like the Lord said, I'm going to be here today. Just like I am every Sunday, right? And I'm going to show up and I'm going to touch people's lives. But they have to want it. felt like the Lord told me, Ryan, there's, there's people in your church who have been fighting things for years. And if they'll take that step of faith today, I can make it all go away. He said, ask them this question. Do you want to be well? But there's a response that has to happen to that question. Jesus is going to tell you to take up your mat and to walk. And, and maybe, maybe today that, that, that replies to crushing something that's been your life and throwing it away. Maybe that, that, rep, that, that reply to you is that you need to tell somebody what you've been in bondage for. Let me tell you a secret. I can take, I can take a cup or I can take a box and I can hide something in it. And, and it can stay in that box forevermore as painful as it is. And that's what we tend to do in our lives. We have stuff in our life that's painful. Well, you don't, you don't, you don't understand, Pastor. He, he did this to me. Or, or you don't understand, Pastor. When I was young, I was, I was violated. So, somebody did some bad things to me, and I've never been able to get over it. And we leave those things inside of us, as painful as they are. And we don't tell nobody. We don't want to talk about it. We just want to leave it hidden. In, in the darkness of our soul, we want to, we want to leave it hidden because we're ashamed of it. But let me tell you something. If you can't take that thing and bring it out into the light where it's exposed, when you take it out, it's no longer in you. It can no longer affect you. And, and there's other people that, that will take it with you and they will pray with you and they will believe with you and they will help you. That's what Jesus wants to do for us. But if we leave it hidden in the darkness and we never expose it to the light, Jesus can't do nothing. And so, so we leave these painful areas of our life and we say, well, yeah, I want to be well. But we don't want to take the action to go talk to somebody about it. Or we don't want to take the action to actually say, well, you know, I've been stuck in this forever. But today I'm going to stand up and I'm going to walk, Pastor. I'm going to walk down that altar. I'm going to get the prayer I need because I want to finally be well. And I promise you, his presence is in this place today. It's right here in this altar. And it's waiting on Sometimes you don't need to walk to the altar. Sometimes you need to run. 
God wants to do some stuff for you. And it's like the pool. But I got good news. You don't have to be the first one in today. You can be, and that's okay. But you can just walk down here as slow as you want and take a step of faith today, and I promise you, God wants to make you well. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that today you've asked us the question, do we want to be well? And our response is, of course we do. Yes, we want to be well, Father. Yes, we want to, we want to lose this forevermore. Yes, Jesus, we want to give it all to you today. And we've heard you say that our faith requires action, Father. And so today, Father, we're going to stand on our feet. Let's all stand together. We're going to stand on our feet. And if we actually want to be well, Father, we're going we're to tape up our mats. We're going to take up that mat of despair, that mat of depression, that mat of, that mat of, of, of self-worth, Father God. And we're going to roll it up today because we don't need it anymore. And we're going to walk into this altar. As the prayer partners come today, we're going to walk down this altar and we're going to ask you, Father, make us well. There used to be a song that we sing when I was growing up and it said, it went like this. It went, in the presence of Jehovah, God Almighty, Prince of Peace. I almost have to sing it. He goes, in the presence. Quit playing for just a second, Phil. I mean, uh, David, because I, I can't can't think of it. It goes, in the presence of Jehovah, God Almighty, Prince of Peace, there is freedom. You know the song? No. There is freedom. There is healing all at the feet of our King. It's all here today. Go ahead and play. It's all here today just waiting on you in the presence of Jehovah. God Almighty, Prince of Peace. In your presence, Father, there is freedom. Hearts are set free. Hearts are, hearts are mended. It's all, Father, in the presence of the King. Today, He wants to heal you. Today, maybe somebody here needs to check into rehab. That's a step of faith. God can make you well, but you have to take the first step. He wants to do that for you today. Our altars are open. David and them are going to sing. And uh, if you don't need prayer today, that's okay. If you do, that's okay too. I'm going to bless you as we go. Father, bless them in this city. Bless them in this place, Father. May all their steps be guided by you. Let them have the best week of their life, Father. I thank you, Father, that this week you're making many well. Let us walk down the street and touch people and let them find you and become well, Father. We thank you for your love and for your grace. In your name we pray.